0: Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the Clns Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm your host Justin Poolen. Joining me, as always, John Duke, and we finally have three games in the books. John, we've got something real to talk about. Not hypothetical, not, hey, uh, this is what we saw in some preseason action, but real games, uh, in some cases, real ugly, uh, <laughs> but, but they're games. There's things to talk about. The Celtics are two and one. <laughs> things to talk about that's the the title of the show tonight things to talk about I feel like we should have opened with Guns N' Roses patience because that's what it's going to take right now Um, and they're two and one so I shouldn't be you know I shouldn't be too down I'm I'm really up on Tatum obviously like everybody is uh, picking up right where he left off the the dude's a closer I think we're going to enjoy talking about that Uh, Hayward gets a night off which I think Makes perfect sense, and you got to see Baines at least for a little while in the starting lineup as you would have uh, liked and had said all along in the preseason that that was kind of your preferred starting lineup. We didn't know who would be coming off the bench, but obviously with Hayward getting some rest, we'll talk about that as well as the Baines injury and a little bit of a dust up with our old friend Rhonda. so those are all the things we'll be talking about on the show today but uh i just wanted to say john um how did you enjoy the home opener I, it was okay.
1: It was fun. Um, uh, you know, look, I, I really enjoy beats da- beat downs of the Philadelphia 76ers. That's really becoming a, a favorite pastime of mine is watching the Celtics whoop up on those, uh, on those sixers. I, there's really a, I don't want to say that I'm more detestable bunch, but the, and unfortunately it's not, a lot of it isn't their fault. A lot of it is, you know, Joel Embiid's fault, but the amount of love and, and just adulation that gets thrown their way. Where well, they really haven't done a whole lot other than go on a real big, a real great win streak against some really bad teams, beat a pretty bad Miami Heat team, and then get whooped up on by the Boston Celtics in the playoffs in five games. It just seems like there's a whole lot of uh hot air there. They haven't really proven much of anything. They got worse in the off season, not better. And you know, so it was really nice to see the Celtics kind of put them in their place. Having said that, I thought the Celtics really didn't play their best basketball or far from it. You can really see that this is a team that's got a long way to go as we kind of pull out to the bigger picture of the full week and what we've seen in the three games. I think this is and you know I think it's it's a work in progress uh I feel a lot better being on this side of things for the Celtics than probably like a lot of your neighbors are feeling who are Sixers fans. I'm sure they're not feeling nearly as
0: good, nor should they. Uh, But, well, the Sixers are two and one now, right? It's two, they're two and one now. And, and you kind of think like even the way you saw the game go in Toronto, there's just something about that home opener that's supposed to be special for the home crowd. And you want them to, you want them to see a win because you want them to be all excited that they paid those crazy tickets and you, uh, ticket prices and you want them to come back. And so, uh, these home openers, I'll just say, it's a factor and I'll leave it right there, Mike Munger. Um, but it's a factor. And so at the end of the day, do you like that? Only a handful of people are going to know that reference. Not a handful, a lot of people, but either way, I know Mike's listening. I'll get a tweet tomorrow. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a factor kicking off the season. Um, Philly might not have liked the way that game went, but they are two and one. And I do expect them to be at the top. We did our predictions last week. Um, but you know, the other thing that I think, you know, really kind of, you know, stands out to me is also Al Horford because he's in midseason form right now. And his defense and his rotations and, you know, when to pick his spots is even better than it was last year already. I'm, I'm really impressed with what an anchor he is. We, we saw it in the postseason last year too, but he's been an enormous anchor. For this team as, as things have been kind of ugly and, you know, even Kyrie had a decent stat line against the Knicks, but you can just see he's not fully back either. Just, you know, Hayward had a really nice game against Toronto in general and they really kind of needed him too, but wasn't, you know, wound, wound up getting our, uh, getting pounded down the stretch. I think the Raptors kicked up a little extra gear to close out that game and take home the win, which is crazy. But, but with all the, with all of that, you know, on the horizon, you actually have to be really encouraged that when it gets all coming together, that it is what we thought it would be. But somebody like Al Horford, again, you just – got to – got to take your hat off to him because as these other players get good, we're all going to forget about him again like we always
1: do. Yeah, he's been steady. I mean, I thought he – I thought he had a good game uh, Friday night against the Toronto in some respects. I thought he was outstanding in the, in the opener. Yeah. Al is just – he's there, you know, and I think he's going to allow things to be better – to me, it's a question of like identity, and it's really hard for this team to find its identity offensively because, one, they're missing a lot of shots. Right now, they're 8-28 in field goal percentage. That's not good. <laughs> so they, they've got to get better. Uh, they will get better. They will make shots. But there's just a real problem with their identity. I mean, Jalen Brown not shooting the ball well right now, Um, and he's far from the only one out there. Uh, but they've got – it feels like, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, it's hard to find out what the team wants to accomplish because there's so many players that are still trying to figure out who they are right now. And, and pre- predominantly, I'm looking at Kyrie and looking at Gordon Hayward. It was a really good sign to see what Gordon Hayward did on Friday night against Toronto. That, to me, was – really an important you know point it wasn't a lot of going to the basket wasn't a lot of explosion but it was it was Hayward kind of taking what the defense was giving him and being lethal in doing it and i think by building off of that taking those those mid-range pull-up jumpers and that's that's a staple of his game to begin with but working off of that and then eventually adding that explosion back in that quick first step that ability to get to the rim and 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 explode I think he's going to be able to work towards that as opposed to in the, in the opening night, he just looked like he was trying to do everything all at once and nothing was working. Kyrie, that's a different story, but I felt good about where we
0: are with Gordon Hayward. Well, and his, also is, his growth is rebounding and you saw in the next night what Tatum was doing with the Knicks and the Knicks had a pretty beefy front line up there too. And, and we were rolling small once Baines went out with the injury. So I was really encouraged by the rebounding of Tatum and definitely of Hayward. And I feel like, um, the second chance opportunities seem to be coming around with some of those longer rebounds. I really hope they keep up that, um, that pace or, or that habit, cause we didn't see it, uh, against, uh, Toronto so much, uh, as we did against New York, but it would just be great if they could grab some of those longer rebounds. I'm going to tell you something about Jalen Brown in the second two, but yeah, Kyrie is just not even hitting some of his easy ones, ones that you expect him to throw down, the three pointers, especially where he's actually got space. It's amazing that, you know, they're there, but they're not going in. A reminder real quick, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke and the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. The YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS Media. For high definition, full length locker room interviews and the garden report, as well as the round table, you're getting lots of excellent HD content. And right here, yours truly, Celtic Stuff Live, all kinds of videos. If you've been a longtime listener of the podcast and haven't ventured to the YouTube channel yet to see our ugly mugs, our faces for radio, then I encourage you to go there now. <laughs> How classic was that, John? Everybody's going to go.
1: They're um, all going to be like, oh, my God. I want to see how hideous those guys are. It's like Medusa.
0: <laughs> Turn to stone as soon there's, as you right, sorry, We get a million views, but there's a million less people that are uh, alive in the world today. But um, So listen, uh, Jalen Brown, one of the things we talked about, I think it was maybe – it might have been the last show, but if it wasn't the last show, it was the show before that – but I remember saying that I really expect to see Jalen get a lot of his offense off of cuts, backdoor cuts, uh, et cetera, and that I thought that that was how he could really mesh into this offense as the fifth option. And sure enough, by the time we hit the next game, it's all Scal is talking to, to Mike about for like a good portion of it. And and I really do hope that continues because that's where Jalen really has an opportunity. To you know, exert his athleticism. Uh, there are obvious weaknesses in some other areas. He also has not been treated well by the officials. But it's no. pretty safe to say at this point that Tatum's really. I think he's actually established himself very quickly at, at a level above Brown. Uh, and I don't think there's any. I don't think there. There was sort of this. Oh, they'll be side by side, mano a mano. But I think. I think it's already clear that that's not how this is going to work.
1: I think you're right about that and it's you know and I, I don't think that's coming from Tatum I don't think Tatum is kind of big brothering him or anything like that I think it's just the 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 t- talent is undeniable like it just oozes out of Jason Tatum uh you know he you just you feel it you know it it's you know <laughs> it's, I don't want to use the expression, but it's like the Supreme Court. You know, it's pornography when you see it, you know, when you see Jason Tatum shoot, it's pornography. You know, <laughs> it's like, this is amazing what's going on here, what that guy can do. And, and he
0: hits big shots and he hits it. Yes. He hits them clutch. And you know, here's the thing. If Jalen Brown fouls the, uh, I can't remember who it was that went to take the shot. Was it Thomas? No, it wasn't Thomas. But anyway, at the end of the was Trey game, Burke. It's right, Trey Burke. Burke. Yeah. If Jalen Brown fouls Trey Burke up three with seconds left on the clock, yeah. you're you're we're having a completely different conversation than the one we're having right now, which is forgiving of Tatum, because Tatum missed the dunk and then winds up recovering and hitting the fadeaway, and he throws a dunk down just before that. And honestly, the Knicks might have snuck that win away from them if it weren't for Tatum. Do you want Tatum to be smarter next time? Yeah, 100%. Challenge. Don't fall all over the guy. Um, still sort of like a early in your career kind of mistake. Totally. But at the end of the day, uh, because of everything he'd done leading up to that, it's forgivable. I think Jalen Brown would be getting a lot of heat right now if he'd done that. Even, even with the missed free throw. I think, I think he'd be taking a lot more heat and Tatum's just kind of going to get it swept under the rug.
1: Well, I think it's, you know, one thing, as you said, Jalen is so dependent upon the passing and, and the, everything else working for the Celtics offense. And we know Horford's working. We know Tatum's working. But in terms of the starters, let's say right now, it's not working with Kyrie. It's not, it hasn't been working in large part, um, for, for Hayward. Um, you know, just as kind of a, as a for instance, you look at the true shooting percentage right now, I'm on basketball reference. Okay, the worst shooter on the, on the team, true shooting percentage, Daniel Tice, a guy coming off injury. Guess who's next worst? Go ahead, guess, what do you think?
0: Do I get to say Jalen Brown? No,
1: no, nope. not Jalen, <laughs> you're close. It's Kyrie. Kyrie is next. It's Kyrie is next. 40,
0: 40.8. 100%, true oh, point. that's brutal. It, I, mean, I mean, you third. see it watching, but, but he didn't he go like nine for 18 against Toronto? He did, but that tells so, you how bad it, that tells you how bad opening night and against the Knicks was. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
1: So, yeah. and then, and then tie for third is Jalen and, and Gordon. So three of the four worst shooters right now are guys coming off injury. So th- I think that tells you something maybe about the fact that it takes a while to get used to it and to get back to what it is, but it also tells you why is Jalen in that spot? You know, and maybe it's because he's so interdependent on those guys making shots and then creating space for him, but it's just, it's not a great place to start. I think, as you said, I think there've been some really tough whistles that have gone against him. I, I, I think it's, I think he, I don't, I, I think he's doing a lot of good things out there and it's going to find, I don't think he's a worse player. I don't think he wasted his summer or anything like that. I think it will work eventually. and And this will come together. It's just, going to be a little bit rocky to start and it could be as quickly as here tonight against the magic things automatically flip a switch and they're better it could be that quick
0: yeah it really could be you know interesting i know we just kind of spent some time on on Tatum and Brown to kick off the show um and kind of what we saw with the with the games and and everything but um i would say you know the Kyrie thing is is it's surprising because it's not necessarily you know, like the health thing. It's literally just his, he's like out of rhythm, right? His shot is just off a little bit. And, and here's my, here's my question. We, we propose this a little bit, but do you think it's going to be harder for him to get back into the rhythm? Because he's working a lot more off the ball in this offense than I think we saw last season, especially when he would take over games. And the other thing is it's such a ball movement, you know, kind of offense and, I think he's used to being a little more ball dominant, and I feel like that might be how he kind of gets himself going, and he's not having that opportunity in this offense the same way. I I felt like they struggled a little bit with it last year, and it wasn't really working, and then he wound up kind of Isaiah Thomasing the offense by the middle of December, and I'm a little concerned it might happen again, but out of necessity. Like, seriously, is is this an offense where Kyrie can operate and and I mean, look, we saw him split three defenders, right? Like Scal his head almost exploded. <laughs> um, but, but seriously, like that talent is there and he could take over games, but how ready is he to do it with that outside shot when he's, I mean, do you think maybe he just gets a little rusty in general?
1: I think he, I think, I think a lot of his game is off feel. You know, I think it's a lot of feeling. The game. I, not to get, you know, <laughs> yeah, my kids love the movie Uncle True. I mean, they watch it all the time. We were riding back from a, a travel basketball game this weekend and it's on the back. And there's a lot of that game, a lot of that is like, it's written as if I could hear him saying those words in, in, you know, interviews and whatnot, it's so much about the feel and the flow of the game for him. I mean, you look at how many of those little shots, those little, you know, he's at the cup and he's just, you know, rolling it this way and flipping it that way and the in-between shots, like he's missing the threes. And that particularly opening night that really stood out as like, whoa, we're, you know, where's the, the, you know, he wasn't getting to the rim. He's been getting to the rim, but even those in between shots where he had that great feel, it's just off. Like you said, the timing, you know, and I think that is the thing for him is that the more he plays, that should come back. I don't think he's, I think it's just getting do that. Do you think that he needs motion, to dominate the
0: offense to I do it? No, I don't think I don't he does.
1: I think he's taken okay. himself out personally. I think, I think it was a good point. He, he is. He's, he's withdrawn in terms of his, um, his usage. I mean, he's not even, uh, let's see. There's, I mean, they're, he's second in the team in usage rate, but he's like not that much further ahead. Guys like Aaron Baines, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris. So, I mean, it's not like he's second,
0: but nobody's really lead dogging it like crazy. Right. Where right. is he at defensively? Here's, I don't know if you can pull up. Maybe, well, you know, it's. Effective. Go ahead. His defensive win I mean, it's so early in the season for defensive win. I know, but defense. I'm just sort of curious as far as a snapshot of those three games, because yeah. I do feel like he's trying to put in, you know, a little more energy on that end of the court as well. And yeah, you know, we've had, we've seen him get some deflections. We've seen him get his hand on the ball a couple of times, and you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, we've seen Tatum do that. I think he's had a couple of strips where he's gone you know, to the other end. And that's great to see. But, you know, Kyrie was kind of notoriously a poor defender, right, when we got him. And then last year, we said, well, we think he's going to be a better defender because he's not going to have to shoulder the entire offense. And like I said, by December, you know, he's ball pounding as the ball handler. And, you know, basically, it's the Kyrie show for the last six minutes of the fourth quarter. And I feel like we're trying to do the same thing at the start of this year. Now, that may have been somewhat of necessity last year because of all the injuries. And I don't even think they really fully knew what they had in Tatum even by then. Right. As far as like clutch shooting, I, I think they might be able to sustain it this year where, you know, due to injuries, maybe they didn't feel like they could and they put the ball back in his hands. But you know, the, this team is notorious, not notorious. Statistically, this team was a great defensive team, last year and and uh you know i wonder if th- there may be improvements to his game and that's another reason why they don't want him to be quite so ball dominant because it but gasses a guy right right well, his net
1: rate, he's in his net rating is, is minus 10 um which would be the worst in his career so far um you know he's got it it, it actually in terms of his his defensive net rating would also be the worst but not like he, he had a 109.7 in two years ago, his last year in Cleveland. He's at 110 right now. He's really, really hurting himself right now is on the offensive side. He's always, his offensive rating's 100, which, you know, would be almost 10 points worse than last year, 16 points worse than two years ago in Cleveland. So it's, it's really...
0: So essentially the difference between the two is we're losing 10 points a game when he's on the floor.
1: Yeah, and and, and offensively, and, and you can really point almost directly to that those shooting numbers you know if he's hitting um you know i'm just to, i'm just looking at the raw the raw numbers here you know if if he's hitting at a at a rate of uh, right now he's shooting you know four threes a game and making 0.7 of them if he if he hits two of those i mean the percentages start flipping around really quickly so yeah it, it you know it's so early and the percentages it's like small sample size small sample size like don't get too freaked out about that but clearly through 3 games Kyrie Irving is not the Kyrie Irving we were used to a year ago
0: and there well, is that's all a, I was really trying to say scenario. not that he not that he won't be and again yeah absolutely small sample size and you know all of that and and shaking yeah. the rust off and coming back from injury We can do that, you know, over and over. I I want you to do this. We're we're going to talk about a couple of our sponsors real quick, but when we come back, I'd like to transition that to Hayward and kind of take a similar snapshot and see how he's rebounded. I get it. It's only two games. You know what I mean? But what do his numbers look like? Again, I know it's small. It doesn't mean anything yet. But just reflection of the time played. Uh, would be good to see, you know, through these first couple of games, shaking the rust off. So, hey, Boston sports fans, do you want to get killer seats to see your favorite team just for the price of a beer or a large pizza? I bet you're tired of paying all of the inflated markups from brokers or last-minute convenience charges. So, you end up paying courtside prices for those nosebleed seats? Give me a break. Go to 1in100.co. That's 1in100.co. Feeling lucky? Try it out now. There's no other place online that's doing online raffles to win tickets to events. It's a totally new way to score tickets to your favorite events and a new way to score Boston Celtics tickets. The cost to potentially score tickets with 1in100 is a small fraction of the actual ticket price. Score a pair of tickets for less than the cost of a beer. Your first raffle ticket is free after you sign up. The experience of using 1in100 is extremely fun and exciting, from picking your lucky number to the feeling of potentially scoring premium tickets. Feeling lucky? Try it. 1in100.co. That's 1in100.co. And I also have to tell you about Robinhood. This is a new sponsor for us, and it's something that I've been interested in trying for quite some time. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptocurrencies All commission-free, this non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I have friends that have been encouraging me to invest in cryptocurrencies, and now I've finally done it with Robinhood's easy-to-use app. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Learn how to invest as you build up your portfolio and discover new stocks and track favorite companies with a personalized news feed. Custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest as well. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio today. Sign up at celticstuff.robinhood.com. That's celticstuff.robinhood.com. Okay, John, again, two games only for Hayward, but I feel like, I just want to kind of make the comparison. Two players coming back from injury. I realize Kyrie's got two, you know, an extra game under his belt, but let's, let's just see the comparison there if we can.
1: <laughs> well, it's, and I think, again, it's two games, not three. So, you know and i'm not going to try to you know be overly specific about what that really means but when you look at how the team per- performed in toronto compared to how they p- team performed in uh, against uh, the philadelphia 76ers and particularly gordon hayward i think that's very instructive i mean gordon was 6 for 13 1 for 3 from 3 you know he he had 14 points he was a minus 11 on the night okay seven rebounds so he was doing a lot of things we, certainly mentally you can kind of picture defensively he had a lot of steals in that opening night win over Philly. But in terms of the numbers, right, so now I'm looking like, okay, well, how, how does he feel in the aggregate? Basically how, you figure out how he fits with everything else. So we talked about the shooting percentage, obviously not shooting well opening night. But, you know, as you look at the bigger picture here, you know, he's actually – you know, defensively, he actually shows off pretty well. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not like he's, uh, uh, his net rating is, is kind of, well, it's basically zero. Um, uh, it's point, 0. 0.1, uh, it's, it's 90.7, 90.8. The Negative 10. Negative 10. And so, keep
0: in mind that New Yorking was very much, you know, like I'm not no. saying it was even for him. Yeah, what was it? What was what was Kyrie's net in the New York game? Do you have that right in front of you? Uh, I don't have it in front of me right now. I can get it, but I can take a peek at it. I'll pull that up. But but my point being is, you know, that game, I think it still washes out. So so Hayward is was you know through two games, one not very pretty one, his Mm -hmm. net rating is almost a complete wash. Whereas Kyrie, we know, is is a negative ten. What about his what? And what did you say his defensive?
1: ninety point seven so ninety point seven ninety point eight so it's, it's almost versus upset. a one
0: ten i mean it's just right. not even comparable yeah right exactly i mean
1: it's it's 9 day difference
0: you know so so that just tells you how far Kyrie can come, and I yeah. think he can come back to that point he should be able to come back to that point faster than Hayward.
1: so yeah and so the your answer you know in terms of how he did against uh, the knicks so the, his net rating um he, he was an, a 92 offensive rating and a 103 defensive rating. So, and the numbers on basketball reference don't yet include the, the third game in terms of that net rating, I think. So, but that's consistent with where he's been for the other three as well. So, he's a negative, it's really on the offensive end. I mean, defensively, he's he seems to be doing at least an adequate job. It's offensively where he's really falling short.
0: Did you just, um, did you just tell us where, sorry, I was looking up Kyrie's net rating for the next game, the plus minus. Yeah, I just said it was 11. You did say, no, it's negative 13. That's why I got confused. According to the NBA app, it was minus 13 for Kyrie. Okay. Yeah. That's, so I was just, so that's why I asked. Cause I was like, wait a second. Did he say that? Cause it was 13.
1: Okay. So, so on, on basketball reference, they, they, they're showing a, a, an 11 net rate difference. Between the O rating, and the D rating, but either way, it's yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good, no. but it, it all points to the offensive side of things, you know. And and actually, and you look at Jalen Brown, it's kind of it's it's almost a mirror image. Uh, worse on offense, actually, than Kyrie. even. Um. So, and I and really, you go against the Orlando Magic, that really should be an opportunity for Kyrie Irving to go off. Trey Burke should have been a reason for him to go off. So. He's a step slow. He's definitely not where he wants to be right now, I wouldn't think. And uh I'm not sure what the key is that unlocks it for him. It seems like, and this is my impression, is that particularly in that Philly game, he's really trying to get everybody else going, trying to facilitate that. I think he needs to be inward, and I think you were kind of talking about this, is really be more ball dominant. I think he really needs to be Kyrie Irving. They need to get him going and then get everybody else going so that way, it it just establishes something. It seems like the team right well, now, just, it needs an identity.
0: Yeah,
1: well, it needs an identity.
0: Been. It opens up everything for everybody else. He's got to be aggressive. Yeah. So well, staying with Hayward, though, are you concerned a little bit at all? That second night of a back-to-back, obviously they play again. By the time people listen to this, it'll be tonight, right, Monday night. So, right. you know, they had a back-to-back. They had one day off, which is kind of weird because they play the first night and then they have what, like? Four nights off, three nights off, and then they yeah. have a game. And then they have back up. Yeah, three nights off. Then they have back to backs, one day off, and then another game. And at least this one's finally at home. But the back to backs were both away, and yeah, you know, it's Toronto, New York. It's not too much of a you know travel pattern there, but still, just seems like kind of a bizarre schedule, and it that's just the way it goes to start out the year. But um, are you can? It, it makes sense for him to have gotten the rest, especially against what I would consider to be a definite lesser team. You know, maybe not, you know, I don't think that they meant to squeak out a two-point win at the last second, but um, but the Knicks being, you know, an opportunity, and we know they're going to try to do this throughout the season to maintain health, but are you concerned about Hayward at all? Because we heard a little bit about the back, and now they're saying maintenance on the ankle with this rest. Um, you know, maybe if they had a couple more days off, would have wound up playing him in the back to back or not. I think he needs regular time, but I, I, I kind of like the way he played and the way he's moving around. I'm not concerned. I'm expecting his ankle to react and sort of say, Whoa, I haven't been in this kind of like through this kind of wear and tear for a while. But we know that sometimes these players do suffer setbacks throughout the year. And hopefully it wouldn't happen this soon. But any concern there at all for you? Or do you think the team's just going to manage this and take their time with it and, and make sure that he stays strong? Well, I think it, I think
1: there's a little bit of concern in that, you know, there really was nothing mentioned that they'd worry about back-to-backs to this point. It seemed like that, that there were no limitations in terms of back-to-backs. And then the first back-to-back they have, they're like, well, hold. no, actually he's not going to play. That does seems a little strange to me. Uh, and you know, they, and they announced it well ahead of time. It wasn't like he showed up to the arena and like, well, we're actually going to sit him down and he played well Friday night. So I think had he not played well Friday night and then they sat him down, I'd be more concerned. The fact that he had a good game against the Raptors and then, and then they sat him down makes me think, well, you know, maybe that's, that is rest. It's preventative. You know, to have a back to back so early in the season is kind of tough. I'm interested to see less how they play against Orlando. Then I really am interested to see the OKC game on, on, uh, I think that's Wednesday night, you know, because that will give them an opportunity, a couple days off, get back in the gym, get a practice in, uh, or two, and, and then, you know, kind of recoup, you know, looking back to last year after Hayward's injury, they had that the next night they played in Milwaukee, and then they had a little bit of a breather before they went and played Philly. I think that's what they need is they just need that breath maybe to just say, okay, all right, where are we? Where are we, where are we going? Because it just seems like since, you know, the season over, like they need to just figure that out and and rest. but maybe
0: funny, I disagree. I go the other way. I think they need to play more. I think we've oh. seen that with this team over and over and over where those long extended bits of rest tend to mess with them. Are they in conditioning? uh shape for those back-to-backs. Not necessarily, but I think there's, like, if they give people the night off, you get guys like Scary Headband Terry, get a little bit of, like, you know, uh extra minutes and things like that. I'd almost rather see that and keep all of those guys fresh and keep pounding them away and keep pounding away because um typically a, a good amount of rest is an issue. As a matter of fact, I almost feel like that Orlando game tonight is going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be a very Well, pardon me, well played game for the Celtics. I think we're going to like that, but then all of a sudden they get Tuesday and Wednesday off again. I'm not so sure about the Thunder game and how ready they'll be. It kind of, kind of depends, but I, I don't think time off has ever been kind to this team. Talk about injuries though. We've got the Baines injury as well. We have to talk about that. We've got to talk about the dust up. We can talk about, uh, you know, kind of our predictions for the week to wrap up the show, but I see what you're saying about the Thunder. It's definitely a little bit of a test. I'm not sure. Is Russell, Russell Westbrook back yet? I know he wasn't ready to start the, to start the year on opening night. Is, is there a timetable?
1: Yeah. He played Sunday night. He did
0: play. All right. So he's good to go. He's back. Yeah. Um, so that will definitely be a huge test for the Celtics and maybe it's one of those where. You know, we know Marcus liked to raise his game against the Thunder uh down in OKC, right? So this could be another spicy one. Who knows? We'll see. But the Baines injury, I know we don't have any update on it yet, Um, but somebody did tweet at me. I think it was Byron Solomon said during the game on Saturday night, and I didn't get to watch it till Sunday morning, but he said, you know, it seems like this starting lineup almost has a little bit better – flow and it's a little bit smoother with Baines. I know it's just the Knicks. You know, I don't want to make too much of it, but I know how much, I know how you feel about that. Byron's um, a
1: smart man. Yeah. I...
0: And Baines, <laughs> Baines is dropping threes. Like, you know, we saw that the preseason. I was like, well, let's not get too carried away with it. But the truth is, is he is a little carried away with it. Like he's starting to fall in love with that shot. He's going to take it, but it's actually a threat. He's making yep. them and the ones he's missing are, you know, falling right into the back of the cylinder, they're doing the bounce out. Like, it's actually – he looks a little Al Horford-esque the way his shooting motion is kind of funky. You know, it's not the same style, but it's got that – it's got a similar funk to it. Um But are you a little concerned about him being injured and missing some time? Because that does put a lot of load on Al Horford, especially – you know, when you're trying to do defensive rotations coming in off the bench, really Yabu got a little bit of run. I know you like to see yeah, that. I do. I do.
1: I thought he did great, actually. I thought Yabu was, was a. New York is a tough team with, you know, Cantor is a guy who really can score on the post. He doesn't do a whole lot on the other end, but he can score on the post and Yabu, you know, did well in the time he was in there. You know, this is where Tice coming back and, you know, we've got a meniscus tear and you're coming back from that. It's, it's not easy. I mean, we remember when, when Tony Allen was coming back from his meniscus tear and uh not the ACL, but the meniscus, and it was a real issue. He, he it took time for him to really kind of get back in the flow. So, Tice is another guy who you know I wouldn't worry about it as much with Tice being um uh, you know in at back at 100% but he's clearly not. Yabu is going to get his time. I'm glad to see that. I don't think it's a serious injury though. I mean, it's like I was telling you before the show. It looked to me like he got a knee in the in the thigh before before he grabbed it. it, so it seemed like much more of a of a bruise maybe than than a than a pull. It, it wasn't like he was running or extending himself in any way. So, you know, and oh, well, that the, would definitely
0: it, be ideal over a hammy strain, right? Like, totally. I mean, hamstring could really be a big issue that could linger with him. He's a pretty big, tough guy, so I think if it's a bruise, we'll find out pretty quick because he'll be out there. If it's a hamstring those take down the biggest and toughest of guys. That's just the way it
1: goes. Absolutely. Bigger they are, harder they fall. And and I think, you know, Yabu, I think he showed in the preseason he's ready for, for some minutes, too. I think this is a great opportunity for him. And to be without Baines is a real issue, especially with so much that's unsettled. But defensively, they're actually playing pretty well. You know, if you look at, again, we're going by numbers that are really early. They're second in defensive rating right now, you know. So they're doing great. I mean, that's not... They're, 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 they're doing what they need to do on the defensive end, I think. Uh, it's not pretty. It's not great. I think they, they have a long way to go, but, but offense is really, I think where the struggles are.
0: And it was last year too, which is weird. It's weird because there's so much offensive, potential offensive power, you know, built into these lineups. And like we talked about Jalen, I mean, seriously, he's like the fifth decoy. How, how he's not getting three or four alley oops a game along the baseline is, like, really surprising, actually, especially because of how much they pull people away from the basket. Yeah,
1: but you know what it is, too, is, like, you, you're going up against a lot of try-hard teams right now. Like, I mean, look how hard the Knicks are playing that game, right? I mean, do you think the Knicks can going to be trying that hard when they're, you know, 20 games, but we're 100? You know, early on, everybody's trying, right? Eventually, like, these teams realize who they are, and they just kind of settle into that mediocrity it's just it's almost the worst thing in the world to play a bad team early in the year cuz
0: they still Do you think Vonleh will stay good? Cuz no. that was no. hell no. <laughs> there was some smooth to his game which was really no. funny, you know. Yeah. All right, <laughs> let's let's hit the Rondo, Chris Paul, Ingram scuffle. Um you know, it's funny too because there's definitely some bad blood between Chris Paul and Rondo. Always has and, been. And always has been and the two, you know, that was the big rumored trade. They wound up drafting Rondo, but originally that was the big rumored trade that Danny was going to ship Paul Pierce out of town and bring in Chris Paul. And you know, I'm sure that doesn't tie into it at all for Rondo, but it's just an interesting sort of that didn't happen. And then along came Rondo and, and he won a championship with the Celtics as a second year player, right? Second year? Yeah, second year player. And uh just very interesting. I don't know where Ingram gets off getting into the mix, shoving people, etc. But But Chris Paul puts his hand in Rondo's face. And I think that's what surprised me. Like if you would when I first saw that I wasn't watching the game, but when it first popped up on my phone, you know, that there was this fight, right? And I go, the first thing I'm expecting is that Rondo took the first shot. (laughs) Like I'm just telling you, that is exactly and then I go and I see and it's like Ingram does the first shot. And Chris Paul is the one who – I mean, I realize Rondo threw the punch, and so he's guilty. He threw the first punch. But Paul definitely instigated, you know, that punch. <laughs> he had it coming, you know. And that's what's really surprising to me. Like, Rondo really, in a weird way, was kind of the victim of all this. I just think that's funny. Well, he me. spit at him. I mean, that's the – Oh, he did spit at him? Yes. Like, see, you can see that in the well, – it's not an okay. accusation, or can you well, see it in the video? Okay. So
1: Rondo says that he didn't spit at him. There is video like enhanced video that the athletic has gotten a hold of that. You can clearly see something went out of his, out of Rondo's mouth at Chris Paul. This is really like Seinfeld. All right. Really? There's a second spitter I think involved here. Okay.
0: second um, Okay.
1: there's one magic loogie. Um, you can see something, but you don't see, you only see it from behind Rondo. It doesn't look like he's like, you know, his cheeks moving. I, I don't want to get too detailed. This is, that could
0: stupid. be sweat, right? Like, like this, well,
1: this is- it, I, it looks like it's coming out of his mouth, but he's got a mouth guard in. Like, who knows? There's arguments that he has the mouth guard in. And he's just yelling at him and I don't know. All I'm saying is that's supposedly what, what incited Paul. And then it of course went you know, bananas. I I don't know. We need more of this, right? Yeah, right. We need need more. Look, I don't like, I, I think Chris Paul is, is obnoxious. I'm not a fan of Chris Paul. The guy can play, but I, I'm just, I've never been a fan of his, you know, I'm team Rondo. I always was team Rondo. Um, I can't believe that he was spitting at him like that close, but there's stuff that Rondo has done. Said he didn't do, you know, the Bill Kennedy incident, which is just really ugly, um, and clearly he did do those things. So they're all there's, there's punishment all around. Chris Paul sitting two games, Rondo three. I don't understand how Rondo gets three and <laughs> Brandon Ingram gets four, but you know, go figure. I, I don't maybe number of swings, maybe with the fist. I'm not sure. It seemed like it should have been more games. Though, honestly,
0: probably I has had, more. I think Ingram gets killed because he was outside of the fracas. Yeah. and he came flying in he started it then he's outside of it and he comes flying in with a punch and I think, think and I think that's why he gets the biggest because he almost not only did he instigate but he escalated even
1: but should he get more should he get more than four games
0: oh you're saying he deserves more I think so yeah absolutely absolutely no less I thought, less than I, thought you, I thought you were saying that you thought you know, why did he get more than Rondo did? Oh,
1: no, 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 no. So I
0: understand your point now. Yeah, he definitely deserves more.
1: I, I mean, I think they, I think Rondo- No, is- in
0: proportion, he should be doubled up on the next closest suspension. However, whatever they want to use as the benchmark for the suspension, you know what I mean? If it's two for Paul and three for Rondo because Rondo threw the first actual punch, that's fine. But then Ingram deserves double. He should miss six. And the reason I say that is is exactly what what I said before. He's the instigator, and then he was trying to escalate it again after he'd already been removed from the situation. So, you know, Rondo gets one – you know, Rondo did one thing – in there, right? But Ingram did too, so it should be doubled up. Hundred yep. percent agree with you. Yep, yep, totally. It,
1: it's just it, it's it doesn't make the league look good. It's a dumb thing. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> I still love Whatever.
0: it. I like it. I, I want to see more scrappy. I don't want you know. I want thing, more scrappy. Thing, I just yeah. But the thing is, dude, is like then you got to see LeBron, who's the opponent, right? He's got his arm around Chris Paul. He's like, dude, relax. You know, we're buds. This is early of the season. It doesn't need to be like this. Like I miss, I miss the Dominique Wilkins and Larry Bird era. I miss, you know, a little bit of that, you know, feistiness that gets a little out of control here. I don't miss the palace. Don't get me wrong. I don't miss the palace, but I miss a little bit of this. You know what I mean? And John, you're on mute, but.
1: I am sorry. I, I leaned, in, I leaned on top of the button and it turned off. You guys
0: should have seen him though. He was rocking. I was. I had so much good stuff to say. Oh man. Well, let's do our prediction to wrap the show. We're just about at the 45 minute mark or we will be in a minute. Um, so we have the three games coming up tonight against the Magic, then Thursday night against the Thunder and Saturday against the Pistons. We got a couple more on the road this week. Not a lot of home games. To start out the season for this Celtics squad, although if I remember correctly through first, first 20 games last year, it was kind of similar. Grueling Uh, schedule and a decent amount on the road. Um, so here we are, one at home, two on the road. Like I told you before, I think the magic game is going to go really well. I think we're going to see, um, probably the, we're going to see, we're going to see a good Celtics team. Um, I think the Thunder game is going to be entertaining, but it's going to get ugly again because You know, they've got some really prime time players over there and, uh, they've been playing together. I just think that one could be, uh, it'll be scrappy. It'll be fun, but it could be a little ugly because I think the Thunder have a a chance to really attack this defense Mm -hmm. and it could have them on their heels a little bit. And then I think they, I think they actually do. Kind of lose to the Thunder, but then they come back on a revenge game against the Pistons. It just, I think they crush the Pistons. I mean, I think they crush them. I think, I yeah. think Orlando they play well, but maybe it's not a big win. You know what I mean? Thunder is an ugly kind of game, but I think it's exciting and it's a loss. But I think they destroy the Pistons on on Saturday completely.
1: Yeah, I I I, I concur with that. I think it's going to be. I think the Pistons are not that good. I think they have. They have exactly the type of lineup that the Celtics can can live to destroy. Drummond is always a problem. I mean, he just, particularly if we don't have Baines, that would be an issue by that point. But, you know, and tomorrow you got a plucky group of Orlando Magic that really don't know their place. It's kind of the same thing as with the Knicks. You know, if you're playing them in March, this might be a 40-point win. But at this point, you know, they may still think they have a chance. So, uh, I I think it's a two on one week. The the Thunder is kind of a tough game because now you're going to the Thunder, but they, you know, they lose, lost to the Kings on Sunday night. Uh, (laughs) which is doubly bad for Boston because not only does that mean the Kings won, which will hurt the Celtics' play, you know, chances of draft picks, uh, but it's going to make the Thunder pissed off for Super Wednesday night. That part I
0: agree with. We, but we want Sacramento to win a couple. No, we we want them to, yes. No, we no, don't want it, them to have the worst it, record. If Atlanta they get the first one overall, gonna, we don't
1: get it. Dude, Atlanta is going to be so bad. Atlanta, I'm not sure Atlanta's going to win any games this year. It
0: could <laughs> happen. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think <laughs> All right, so. Saying. Instead okay. of my, I guess 82 <laughs> and 0 is out of the question. You are going to tweet <laughs> out. I guess 0 and 82 is out of the question when Atlanta wins their first one. That's right. Once okay.
1: once Atlanta wins one, then I'll I'll I'll, I'll grant you that. uh But. <laughs> Until then, the Kings, man, they're not good. They're, you know, look, and they're gonna be so mad. The Thunder's have off. They, they have, they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, so off until they play. You know, the Celtics. So, um, that's
0: just yeah, a lot of time to to get upset, and they're gonna have a lot of revenge. And you're right, waiting anger, tough one. Definitely going to be a tough one. All right. We're going to be back in a week. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. Don't forget to patronize, patronize. There you go. Don't forget to visit our sponsors one in 100.co and Robinhood. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. A heartfelt thank you for supporting the show. Go and subscribe to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and review because your feedback is important to John and I. And for staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Jelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live.
1: Celtic Stuff Live.